There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, we have the privilege of having a brief Bible study together. Now, each Saturday, we are offering on the weekend pulpit a full-length Bible message that's been given recently in some local church or gospel event. And my prayer is that God will use the Word of God to encourage you in a very special way today. This particular series of messages is very special and dear to my heart because it comes from my life book, the book of Philippians, the book of Christian joy, where the Lord says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. And the Lord used these Bible messages to help us all learn to enjoy the journey. I, uh, I grew up in a preacher's home. My dad was a businessman that started preaching uh, later in life, but has pastored the same church for almost 30 years now. And uh, my grandpa was a preacher, old-timey mountain preacher from the hills of West Virginia, just uh, raw bone, leather lung, peel the paint off the walls. He was a little rough around the edges, but he knew the Lord. He got up into church one night and got carried away preaching, pastor, and he said, bless God, there's two things no church needs. That's a clock on the wall and a busy-bodied woman, and this church has both of them. That wasn't good. And he didn't stay long in that church either, let me tell you. Uh, but I, I have a heritage of being around people in the Lord's work. Uncles are preachers. Mama did some preaching around the house. Uh, I, I grew up around the ministry. And when I get to be around a pastor and pastor's family like God has given you and get to be around a church like this where the Lord is working and it's fresh and people are excited serving Christ together and reaching the lost in their community, it is refreshing. And I want you to know God has given you something truly wonderful, something not only to praise God for but something to guard because I tell you, every gift can be lost. Everything like this, good thing that we enjoy. Praise God, the only thing we can't lose is our salvation. I'm glad about that. But every good thing like this in a moment can be gone. When we start taking it for granted, presuming on the Lord. And so I, I want to encourage you today, just keep pressing forward for the Lord. I like this emphasis on growing in the grace of Christ. And uh, I think if you keep that in your heart, make that your prayer that the greatest days in the life and ministry of this church are the days that lie ahead. I truly believe that, and I'm praying that way for you. Now, we've had a great start already. Last night, sweet time in the Word of God and prayer and great Bible study hour this morning. And we're in a certain book of the Bible. It is my favorite book of the Bible. I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you have a favorite book of the Bible? Would you raise your hand? You've got a favorite. On the count of three, shout it out. One, two, three. That's a good book, whatever you said. It's in the Bible. I know it's good because it's the Word of God. But my life book, if I might say that, my favorite book is the book of Philippians. And it's a book of Christian joy. It's an amazing book. And with God's help, we're preaching through it this week. So I want you to turn in your New Testament to Philippians chapter 1. And let's read just a few verses here together this morning in this opening chapter. Paul writes under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, beginning in verse 3. And I think most appropriate verses for this Lord's Day and for your church. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy, 
for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I think verse 6 is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. Let's, let's read it out loud. What do you say? Would you read it with me with your heart? Ready? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Days like today are days to reflect. They are, if I might use the Bible word, it's found in verse number 3, days of remembrance. That's what today is. I'll remind you that for a Christian, every celebration should be a rededication. For example, when we celebrate the Lord's coming to earth Christmas time, that, look, that ought to be a time where we say fresh and new to God, dear Lord, thank you for coming, and we give ourselves a fresh and new to you. When you celebrate a birthday, it ought to be, Lord, thank you for the life to this point. Now, I'm going to give you the rest of my life, whatever I have left. It's all given to God. When you come to Thanksgiving, it ought to be more than turkey and football. It ought to be, dear Lord, we give ourselves to you in gratitude. Every celebration should be a rededication. And so when the Apostle Paul says, I'm, I'm thanking God for you, I'm remembering you, he's actually teaching the church at Philippi one of the great secrets of not only getting right with God, but staying right with God. I don't know about you, but for me, one of the greatest struggles I have is not getting right with the Lord, it's staying right with the Lord. Did you know you can be right with God in a moment? I mean, just like that. You can look to the Lord in simple faith. You can be right with God in a moment of time. But the great struggle in life is staying where you ought to be with the Lord. How many of you have the same battle? Sure. And we talk about the devil being our enemy, and he is. But really, the devil is God's enemy, and you are your own enemy. The greatest enemy I have is not the devil. He doesn't chase me around everywhere. But my flesh carries around the old sin nature everywhere I go. That's why old Lester Roloff said the first thing he did every morning when he got up was jump in the grave. Now, what do you mean by that? you got to die because flesh is strong. And there's a great struggle all the time. So how do you stay right with the Lord? Now, we're coming back to this passage, but I want to show you something. So stay with me a second. I want you to turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1 with me for a moment. The Apostle Paul writes this last letter to a young man named Timothy. He's trying to help him stay right with God. And look at the emphasis, the end of his life, end of his ministry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have, what's the next word, church? Remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to what? Hmm. Twice. The unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in what? <laughs> he says, I remember this, and I remember them, and now I want you to remember some things. I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, would you hear me with your heart for just a moment? If you'll listen to what I'm about to say for the next 60 seconds, if you don't get another thing out of the messages this week, this one truth will help you as a Christian. The great struggle in life is not getting yourself stirred up for the Lord. It's keeping yourself stirred up for the Lord. 
We come to church on Sunday. We get all stirred up for the Lord. Man, we're going to charge hell with a squirt gun, win the world to Christ, make a difference in the world. And then come Monday morning, you roll out of bed, and you don't even feel like a Christian. You ever have a Monday morning like that? You don't feel like praying or reading the Bible or witnessing anybody, and all the emotion of the previous day has gone away. How do you keep yourself stirred in the Lord? I want you to notice that God connects our memory to keeping our hearts stirred. He says the way to stir yourself up is by way of what? Remembrance. Hold that thought. Turn over with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 just a minute. It's no accident that in Paul's last letter, and in Peter's last letter, they both emphasized the same thing. I think both these mature men had learned something about staying right with God and keeping themselves stirred. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 9. He talk, he's talked about adding to your faith. And then he says in verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. I'll tell you, one of the crying sins of great Christians is forgetfulness. We forget the goodness of God. We forget what the Lord saved us from. We forget where we would have been without him. We forget the blessings of God. Oh, how forgetful I am. By the way, notice this in verse number 9. When you, when you begin to forget, not only do you forget the past, now you can't see into the future. This church has a bright future, but I want you to know, if you forget where you've come from, what God's done for you, if you forget the goodness of God in your life, you don't have a bright future. Because the moment you forget the past, you've lost sight of what's important going forward. Read on now. Come down to verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in what? There's that word again. In remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. It's the same exact principle that you found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. The way to keep your heart stirred for the Lord is that constantly you must go back and remember certain things. You must go back and rehearse certain things. There are some things... By the grace of God, we must say, Lord, help me never to forget that. A few years ago, I started writing in a journal every day. I wish I had done it many years before. I made a stab at it two or three times and didn't stay with it. But a few years ago, I started regularly writing in a journal. Outside of my own Bible reading and prayer, devotionally speaking, it's the greatest thing I've ever done for my Christian life. There are many reasons for that. I, I like to do it at night before I go to bed. It releases my mind of lots of things so that I can rest. And I write lots of things in it. I write prayers in it. I write blessings in it. I write things God has taught me in it. Some days I may write a line or two, and some days a page or two. Every day is different. Every day of life's different, isn't it? But one of the great things for me in those journals, I'm carrying one with me on this trip, and I'm writing in it. One of the great things for me in those journals is that it's helped me to remember some things. Sometimes when I get discouraged, do you ever get discouraged? Maybe in Savannah, y'all don't ever get discouraged, but I get discouraged. When I get discouraged, sometimes I go back and I pull out one of those old journals and I just start reading. And I see the goodness of God. And it helps me. Sometimes I go back and I'll, I'll read about a day that was a hard day. You ever have a hard day? I'll see a page that I know I wrote with tears or with a broken heart or with great need and an anxious heart, and I think, dear Lord, I, I'm there again. And then I turn the page and I read the next page, and I say, on the next day, how the Lord answered that prayer and came through. Isn't it wonderful to rehearse the goodness of God? And you know, I think the Lord knew how forgetful we were. 
Any of you having trouble with your memory yet? I'm just curious. Anybody? I'll be 43 later this month. And, you know, things change. Don't things change? Your body changes. Your mind changes. Everything changes. Can I tell you, spiritually speaking, I think we all have a problem with our memory. Why do you think the Lord made them carry a tabernacle through the wilderness? Why do you think when they got to Jerusalem, he said, now you don't need the tent anymore, but let's build a temple. Why do you think that was? Why do you think the Lord has given us his word? Why do you think the Holy Spirit's come to live inside of us? Why do you think the Lord left two ordinances, one of them being the Lord's Supper, and on the front of those Lord's Supper tables, it says Jesus' words, this do in what? Remembrance of me. I think it's because the Lord knew something most of us have forgotten. And that is how forgetful we are. If you're going to be the people today and into the future God wants you to be, friends, there's some things you must remember. Go back with me to Philippians chapter 1. Let me show you three of them today. They are, in fact, not things. They are days. I'm speaking this morning on three days I must never forget. See, I believe revival is always connected to remembering. We say we want revival. Well, let me just tell you, revival is a stirring up of those things that are already inside of you. They just need to be awakened again. Do you remember the old days? <laughs> the old days, what does that mean? Do you remember when you first got saved? Remember how excited you were about it? And do you remember how you couldn't get enough of the Bible? How you loved to pray? How you were shocked God actually answered your prayer? And somewhere that all wears off, doesn't it? Becomes old hat to us. Remember when you used to love coming to church and you'd get there early to fellowship with people and then when church was over, you weren't the first one out of the parking lot. You hung around and talked to people. Do you remember when the preacher used to say, we need help with something? He said, oh, I want to be in on that. Not because you had to, but because you wanted to. Go back and remember some of those things. You see, those are good days in the Christian life. And that remembering leads to revival. I want to suggest to you that God gives us three days in these verses we must never forget. Did you notice them as we read them a moment ago? Look at them, please. In verse number 5, he says, For your fellowship in the gospel from, here's the first one, the first day. So that's the day that you came to know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. Then he says, until what? That's today. (laughs) Take a breath. Everybody take a breath, would you please? Isn't that nice? Go ahead, take another one, take another one. Beats the alternative. May I ask you a question? Why are you living now? Somebody your age didn't live to this day. Somebody my age didn't live to this day. They met God last night. But I'm living now. Why am I living now? So God says, I want you to consider the first day. I want you to consider now. Then we're going up to the mountain. You ready? Here's the pinnacle. Look at verse number 6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until what? The day of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, the greatest day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus face to face. I I meet people sometimes that say, you know, preacher, my best days are behind me. And I say, wait a minute, hold up. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, then your best days are not behind you. Because the best day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus Christ face to face, which means your best day is still ahead of you. Look, if you're a child of God, you've got much to look forward to. Don't ever forget that. In fact, he repeats that expression in verse number 10. He says that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. Do you see this beautiful progression? There is the first day. 
And then there is this day. And then there is the day of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, but in life, there are some days that stand out above all others. By the way, I don't see any open bottles back here today. That's very good, isn't it? I'm never going to forget that. There's some days that stand out above all others, aren't there? Your birthday, that's a good day. Uh, later this month, God lets me live to the 25th. I'll have a birthday. It'll be 43. You know, you're getting old. We have to stop and think about how old you're going to be. 43. August the 25th, 1976, I discovered America. That's a good day for me. Today's my parents' wedding anniversary. I called them this morning, wished them a happy anniversary, 46th wedding anniversary. And they answered the phone, and, and I said, thank you all for getting married. And they said, excuse me? I said, if you would not gotten married, I wouldn't be here. So thank you for getting married. We're grateful to God for it. Special day. The day I got saved, that was a good day. The day God called me into the ministry. I was just a 12-year-old boy. July 27th, 1989. On Thursday night, first time I ever went to summer camp, God dealt with me and said to me, I want your life. I want you to serve me. Oh, it was a good day in my life. When I get a little cold-hearted, now you probably never get that way, but when I get a little calloused, I go back and I think about those days. I remember my first sermon. It was pitiful, but I remember it. I preached in a cottage prayer meeting in a house, in a living room, Mr. Miss Logan's house. <laughs> All those senior citizens were there. The whole, whole audience was senior citizens. And I stood up and I preached. Now, think of this. I was 12 years old. You know what my first sermon was? I preached on the Holy Spirit. What on earth did I know about the Holy Spirit? 12 years of age. I found an outline in the book somewhere and read Scripture and made a few comments. It wasn't very good, really. And when I was done, all those little grandmas and grandpas came by and hugged me and told me it was the greatest sermon they'd ever heard in their life. They lied to me. That's what they did. They lied to me. They encouraged me. I remember that day. Remember the first day I ever stood behind a pulpit and preached. I was so overwhelmed with it. I wept all the way through the message. Had a hard time uh, just keeping my composure. I wasn't embarrassed. I just I was overcome that God would let me stand up and preach from the Bible. It meant something to me. First days. The day we got married, oh, that was a good day. My wife and I just celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary, and it was, it was wonderful. And we got married on Friday the 13th. That was the luckiest Friday the 13th of my life. Great. How many parents are among us? Would you raise your hand if you're a parent? Remember the day your child was born? Remember holding Morgan in my arms? She's 19. She leaves tomorrow to go back to college for second year. <laughs> good night. How's that even possible? And I remember holding her. I remember when Lauren was born. I remember when Grant was born. Those were good days. There are days in life that just, they stand out above all others. Now, look, let's just be honest. A lot of life is just a bunch of ordinary days. Would you agree with that? Men are remembered for their extraordinary days, but they're made on their ordinary ones. And lots of life is ordinary days, but it's those extraordinary days that give definition and purpose to all the other days. 
It's those days that made me a Christian. It's those days that made me a daddy. It's those days that made me a husband, you see. It's those days that define the purpose for every other day. And I want to say to you that in the Christian life, there are lots of ordinary days where you're just putting one foot in front of another. and Moving forward, we trust to the glory of God. But if you remember these three days, they will give purpose and definition and direction to every other day of your life. These are three days you must never forget. Let's talk about each of them for just a moment. Would you look at verse number 5? Let's start here where Paul does with the first day. What is that? That's the day you heard the gospel. How many of you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember the day you got saved? The hymn writer said, glad day, glad day when Jesus washed my sins away. It was a glad day. I was a five-year-old boy. A lady took a Bible and shared Jesus with me. I'll never forget that day. As a matter of fact, I just spoke at the high school commencement for school where I went all those years. I graduated from there 25 years ago, and I spoke at their high school commencement a few weeks ago. And When I walked into the building that night, one of the first people I saw was the woman who led me to Christ. I hadn't seen her since I graduated, I don't think. And there she stood. And I went to her, and I hugged her, and I said, I thank you. Tell me about Jesus. She opened a Bible and she told me that God loved me and that Jesus Christ had died for my sins and was buried and rose from the dead. And I didn't understand a lot, but I knew I needed Jesus and I bowed my head and asked Christ to be my Savior. And the Lord kept His Word. He saved me. He came to live inside of me. That was the first day. Look, I've had a lot of glorious days since then. But all of that has been because of the day that I met the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I want to say to you this morning, I'm not preaching, I'm testifying. I don't ever want to forget that first day. Never. I get backslidden. That's right. I get backslidden and I get cold-hearted and indifferent to God and I get out of sorts with the Lord and not where I ought to be spiritually when I forget that I was a sinner that deserved to go to hell, that I'm a black-hearted, hell-deserving sinner in desperate need of the mercy of God. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be in hell this morning or on my way, but I'm not there, and thank God I'm never going there. And so I must go back again and again, and I must remember in remembrance of the first day. Now, for the apostle Paul and the church at Philippi, that first day was in Acts chapter 16. Let me show you something. Just turn back to Acts 16 with me for a moment. Let me show you the first day. We don't have time to read the whole passage. You can read it for yourself. But just look at it for a moment. Paul comes into Philippi for the very first time, Acts 16 verse 12, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. We were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. If you don't have this phrase marked in your Bible, underline this, whose heart the Lord opened. The first day I'm talking about is not something you did, it's something the Lord did. It was the day the Lord opened your heart. You may have heard the gospel a hundred times, but there was a moment where finally it clicked. You may have heard about Jesus all of your life, but there was a moment you realized, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to go to hell without God. And you repented of your sin, and by faith you received Jesus as your Savior. It all happened because the Lord opened your heart like He opened Lydia's heart. But let me show you something beautiful. Watch this. By the way, that's the first convert in all of Europe. 
If you wonder how the gospel got to us, this is where it started, moving move in this direction. It's the first convert in all of Europe. Right there is Lydia, seller of purple, a woman that got saved by the riverside at a prayer meeting. I love it. But now watch this. The first convert is a Jewish woman. She's a Jewish woman. She's there in a Jewish prayer meeting. She's a Jewish woman. Come down to verse number 16, and you have here a little girl who's possessed by a devil. And if you read the passage, you find out that she's a Greek slave. Now, stay with me just a second. So you got a Jewish woman, you got a Greek slave, then come down to verse number 25. Here's the famous story of the midnight prayer meeting and the salvation of this Roman uh, soldier. So notice here, you got a Jewish woman, you got a Greek slave girl, and now you got a Roman soldier man. Sounds to me like the Lord's trying to send us a message that the gospel's for all people. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus died? They hung above his head that inscription, the King of the Jews, and it was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. You know what's interesting about that? That would have been the three languages represented by these three people in Acts chapter 16. What's the Lord saying? He's saying this message is for everybody in every language, no matter where they're from, everybody needs Jesus Christ. That's why Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, In Christ there is neither male nor female, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. What does that mean? It means we're all the same in that we're all sinners who need a Savior. And if you've had such a day and you know you've been saved, I hope right now you're sitting there thinking about the day like I'm thinking about mine. And I hope it means something to you. And I hope you'll get on your knees today and say, Jesus, thank you for not letting me go to hell. And if you've never been saved, if you've never had a day you could point to and say, I know on that day I took Jesus as my Savior. i got some really good news for you. Today's the day of salvation, and now's the accepted time. I read this morning just devotional in the Psalms, and I came down to that verse that said, This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I want you to know every day you ought to rejoice in the first day. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 1. I'll show you the second day. And I'm going to skip to the other end, like bookends, if I might, from the first day to the last. As you come down to the day in verse number 6, the day of Jesus Christ. And we may refer to it as the last because it's the culmination of our time here on earth. But might I suggest to you it's actually just another first. It's the first day of eternity. That's what it is. What is the day of Jesus Christ? That is not your death day. Somebody says, what are you looking forward to? Frankly, I'm not looking forward to dying. I'll just have to tell you. I'm not getting up a bus to go today. Well, the one day I am looking forward to is I'm looking forward to the day Jesus Christ comes again. Oh, to love His appearing, to live every day thinking today might be the day a trumpet sounds. And Jesus Christ steps out on a cloud and a shout is heard. And the dead in Christ rise first. And we that are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The first day was the day you heard the gospel and you entered into fellowship with the Lord. It was the day you came into the family of God. But the day of Jesus Christ is the day all the family goes home to the Father's house. It's the day of the family reunion. It's the day that the salvation is complete and even your body is changed. The Bible says we have this, this purifying hope in us, this blessed hope in us that when He appears, we're going to see Him and we're going to be like Him. We're going to be just like He is. You see, on that day, the Lord's going to make everything right and going to change everything. Turn back to 1 Corinthians with me for just a moment, a few pages in your Bible. 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And look at verse number 7. This is fascinating. He says to another church, So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Look, He's going to be faithful to you to His day. He wants you to be faithful to Him until that same day. Why is it called the day of Christ? Well, may I say this? Man has his day. We're living in that right now. Presidents, prime ministers, potentates, dictators, they're having their day. They're doing what they want to do. The superstars of the world, the business people, they're doing what they want to do. The average man doing what he wants to do. This is man's day. But hear me, please. Your day won't last forever. Then the devil's going to have his day. Oh, yes, he is. The Antichrist is coming, and the devil's going to rule and reign, and he's going to have his way, and uh, he's going to think, this is pretty good. But I want you to know, and I'm happy to report to you, that day's not going to last forever either. No, the Lord's going to have his day. And what is the Lord's day? It's one eternal day. It's the day that has no night. It is the day where the Lord Jesus calls for us and we go to be with Him. Oh, what a glorious day that's going to be. Oh, and I'm standing here right now thinking, just thinking in my own mind, it could happen before I finish preaching. I'm going to be done shortly preaching, but you're already thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. I know what you're thinking about. But did you know we might not get to lunch today? But Jesus may come. Before this meeting is done this week, a series of revival meetings, Jesus may come. I may not fly back to West Virginia. I may meet my family in the clouds. We may take off on a different flight before this week is done because the day of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. Listen to me. And as surely as we should rejoice in it, we should prepare for it. You ought to live this day like this day could be your last, and the next moment you may see Jesus face to face. May I ask you a question? If 24 minutes from right now at noon, 24 minutes was all you had, and you knew at noon you were going to bow at the nail-pierced feet of Jesus and give an account of your life, what would you do in the next 24 minutes? Anybody you'd call? Anything you'd care for, anything you'd want to make right, any sin you'd want to confess. Anything you wouldn't want to meet God with in judgment, you'd like to meet Him with in mercy now. Anything. remember one night a woman coming forward in our church when I was a boy, weeping, sobbing uncontrollably. I didn't know what was wrong with her. She was a woman who served in the church, well-known, well-respected. She'd been working at a bank. And for the last several months, she'd been stealing money from the bank. In the middle of that meeting, she got a glimpse of eternity and the thought that she could meet God with that. She came forward and she said to the pastor, she said, I want to be right with the Lord and I want to be right with others. She said, I can't end my life that way. I want to be clean. There are consequences for her actions, but I'm going to tell you something. She got thoroughly right with the Lord and God changed that woman's life. I was preaching a church in Kentucky sometime back, and in the middle of the message, a young wife and mother seated about three rows back on this side started weeping. And before I could finish the message and get to the invitation, she jumped up out of her seat. She climbed over two or three people, got to the middle aisle, and took off running to the back of the church. And she hit the back doors on a full-out run, never came back. 
two or three weeks went by, and I got a letter in my office, and she said, Brother Paulie, I'm the young lady that left the meeting in Kentucky. I'm sorry for disrupting your message. But she said, I was sitting there thinking about eternity. And she said, the thought dawned on me that my father was lost, and if he died while I was sitting in that church, he was going to go to hell forever. She said, I had to go find a phone, call him, and give him the gospel again. I'm afraid we live too much of our life without thinking about the day of Christ. I just returned from preaching in Sydney, Australia. Australia is a very secular country in many ways and great spiritual needs, but they, they had a man years ago named Arthur Stace in Sydney, Australia, who came into a meeting one night, got right with the Lord, he was an illiterate man. He could barely write his own name. Standing in the room that night where he got right with the Lord, the preacher had been talking about eternity, 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 eternity. And Arthur Stace got so consumed with the word eternity, he stood there in the back of that great meeting and he said to the Lord, Lord, I wish I could do something to make other people think of eternity. He was not a preacher. He was not a well-spoken man, not an educated man at all. Stacy, Arthur Stace rather put his put his hand in his pocket and he felt in his pocket and he had a piece of chalk. Arthur Stace went outside the meeting that night, went across into a park and knelt down for the first time in his life. He wrote the word eternity on a sidewalk. When he stood up and looked at it, it was beautiful the way he had done it, eternity. Arthur Stace got an idea. He said, I'm going to get up every morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, where everybody goes to work, and he said, I'm going to go out where people are going to be walking during the day, and I'm going to write this word on the sidewalk. He started doing it. He became a local legend. Nobody knew who it was. They, they referred to him in the newspaper as Mr. Eternity. He did it for 30-some years. Think of that. By the time he was done, he had written the word, if I remember correctly, over a half a million times. One morning, his pastor, his pastor was up early making a hospital call downtown Sydney and came around the corner and saw Arthur Stace, that old man, down on his knees with a piece of chalk. And his pastor said, Arthur, are you Mr. Eternity? And Arthur said, Preacher, I couldn't do much. But he said, I wanted to make everybody think about the day they're going to see Jesus. Today, in Sydney, Australia, in beautiful copper plate writing, there are plaques in two or three locations around the city on the ground that just say eternity. People walk right over them, don't even think about what they are. I talked to a girl in Sydney Harbor. I said, you ever heard of a guy named Arthur Stace? She said, never heard of him. I told her the story, Australian girl. She said, that's amazing. I said, yeah, well, he lived right here. He used to write the, write the word all around sidewalks all over this city. How quickly we forget eternity. So it brings me to the third one. Sandwich between the other two is where we live. Would you mark it in your Bible? The first day is the day you met Jesus, and the day of Christ is the day you're going to meet Him face to face. But then this powerful word, now. Whew, what a word. As a matter of fact, would you, would you just look later in the chapter at verse number 20? The Apostle Paul used it about his own life. He says in verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so what? Now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Friends, today matters. We talk about God like He's past tense or future tense. 
Oh, yeah, I got saved 30 years ago. I met the Lord. Like he's past tense. And if we're lucky, we talk about him like he's future tense. Well, we know the Lord's coming. We believe that. Could I remind you that his name is not I was or I will be. His name is I am. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He promised he would never leave us or forsake us. That means as surely as I'm here and you're here today, God is here. And God is at work in every one of our lives right now. You see, the Lord's word is today. The devil's word is tomorrow. Remember Pharaoh? Had those frogs everywhere, frogs in his kitchen, frogs in his bathroom, frogs in his bed, squishing frog guts between his toes as he walked. Somebody says, that's not nice, preacher. That's in the Bible. Read it. They were sick of those frogs. So he calls the preacher Moses, and he says, would you pray to God for me to take away the frogs? And Moses says, glory over me. When shall I entreat the Lord for thee? And Pharaoh gave the dumbest one-word answer I've ever heard in my life. He said, tomorrow. I understand it. I'd have said, yesterday. I don't know if he'd grown accustomed to him, named him Bertha and Bubba and Betsy, and I don't know. But he said, you know, one more night be all right, and then tomorrow. Tomorrow. And you know what we do? We sit back and scratch our heads and point at a guy like Pharaoh and say, you fool. May I ask you a question? What is it the Lord's told you to do today? And you've said tomorrow. I used to have a friend that said, procrastination is my sin. It causes me endless sorrow. I really must stop doing it. In fact, I'll start tomorrow. That's how we live. No, the Lord says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. He says, today, in Hebrews, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Jesus looked at that thief on the cross. Oh, I love it. He said, today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why is that? Because the Lord wants us to respond to him in the present tense, in the immediate, at this moment. And I came to ask you, not collectively as a church, I commend you collectively as a church, but I'm asking you individually right now, every man, every woman, every young person among us. And for the record, when I get done preaching, I intend to ask everybody in the room to respond, everybody. And if you say, well, I'm not responding, then you've made your decision. And I can ask you individually, what is it you need to do right now? What decision do you need to make now? What thing needs to change now? What step of obedience needs to be taken now? What is the thing right now the Holy Spirit of God is putting His finger on? And don't wait for me to tell you. I don't know. I'm not God. I just work for the preacher. He's the preacher. But right now the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on things in the lives of people in this room. And I want you to know if you want a grand future, a bright future. Take care today. Don't just live in the past or long for the future. Live today. I end with one scripture. Turn with me to Titus just a moment, Titus chapter 2. It's interesting that in yet another one of Paul's letters, the same three days pop up. Seems like he remembered them a lot. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, For the grace of God... That bringeth salvation of appeared to all men. That's the day, the first day, the day of grace, the day of faith, the day of salvation. That's the day you met Jesus, verse 11. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You might even write in the margin of your Bible, now. That's today. 
and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the day of Christ. And in my mind now, I'm coming down the hallway, a five-year-old boy leaving school that afternoon. My mother came to pick me up. I, I remember this so vividly. Running down the hall with my arms open to my mother, and I said to her, Mama, I got saved today. And she said, that's wonderful, son. That was a good day. That was a very good day. And now I'm going to the end. I don't know when it is. It's on God's calendar, but it's not on mine because I don't know when it is. But there's a day coming as real as that day, the day I'm going to see Jesus Christ face to face. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. But the day that I can do something about is today. It's right where I am. It is the day that should build on that day and look to that day. It is the day that's possible because He saved me. And it is another day that I'm going to give an account of when I stand before Almighty God someday and give an account of my life. And I don't know about you, I want to be ready. And it begins with remembering today. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will do His work, that the sword will cut deeply into our hearts. Help us to remember, Lord. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can help to pray for you in some definite way, please contact us. You may visit us online at enjoyingthejourney.org. I would love to hear from you today. I also hope you'll share this message with others who might also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, visit our YouTube channel. And most of all, remember this, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. Sunday is the first day of the week. And every Christian ought to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in their area this Sunday. Now, thank you so much for listening today to the Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss the Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday. May God bless you and your family and help you to enjoy the journey today.